This is the How'd You Get Into That Podcast with Grant Baldwin, episode 30. Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That Podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. Greetings, boys and girls. Welcome to another episode of How'd You Get Into That. My name is Grant, and uh, it's great to have you here with us today. Hope life is doing well for you. Hope you're having a, a great day. Hope you just got a smile on your face. Hopefully, every time you hear my voice in your earbuds, it just brings a smile to your face. You're like, ah, that Grant, he is just a, he's an interesting cat, but uh, I dig him for whatever reason. Hopefully that, hopefully these uh, episodes have been encouraging and inspiring to you. But either way, thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for making uh, today's show part of your day. Hey, uh, before we get into today's episode, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, 99designs. If you have not had a chance to check them out, make sure you swing by, take a look. They've got dozens of designers that will compete to deliver you the best possible design. I mean, we're talking from logos, websites, t-shirts, car wraps. You can basically get anything designed. So make sure you check them out. You can go to 99designs.com slash grant. I'd encourage you to swing by, check that out again, 99designs.com slash grant. And uh, there you can get a $99 power pack of services for free. So swing by, check that out. Hey, on today's uh, episode, we've got a great interview with Brennan Dunn. Brennan is a, uh, today he's kind of a software guru. He's got a really successful software uh, site about helping freelancers. And ultimately, that's kind of where he got his start was uh, through freelancing. And then he's kind of built his business now on helping freelancers continue to get their business, understand their business, and uh, know what drives their business. So great stuff today. I uh, hope you enjoyed today's interview, today's guest. So let's just, let's get to it. I'm ready to get after it today. Let's do some more work. Here's Brennan. Enjoy. All right. Welcome to another episode of How'd You Get Into That? And today we are joined by my friend Brennan Dunn, who is a freelance extraordinaire, wizard, maven, all of the above. Brennan, how you doing, man? <laughs> What's going on, Grant? Is that an, is that an accurate description? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. I mean, we can I, roll with it. You know, I was at a I was at a barbecue last night, and um, you know, you get the inevitable. What do you do? Yep. Question, and I'm like, I don't really know. <laughs> I do a lot of stuff. If you just want to always start with uh, ideal drugs, then that just ends the conversation right there. That way, you don't have to answer it. So I'll say I do, you know, internet or software or something like that. You know. So all right, well, give it, give us that snapshot. So we're we're not at the barbecue, but uh, for anybody that's listening that's not familiar with your work, I know you you do a lot with helping freelancers. But how would you describe what it is that you do? Yeah. So what I do is, um, I guess the elevator pitch of what I'm doing nowadays is I'm helping independent consultants and freelancers understand how to run a business. So a lot of us, myself included, you know, back in the day, we were really good at what we did technically. Like we're great at design, we're great at coding, whatever. And then we decide one day to you know quit and go out on our own and go freelance. And then we realize, well, you need to deal with sales and marketing and there's all this administrative stuff and you need to basically wear a lot of hats and run a business. But most of us are kind of ill-equipped to do that side. But we're, you know, we're, we're good at coding, but no one, that's only one part of the business, I guess. So, um, yeah, I, I basically just provide tools and, and products to help independents, whether they be, you know, individual freelancers or even agencies build a better business. 
Yeah, and I immediately think of uh, Michael Gerber's book, The E-Myth, of people who I have yep. this one specific skill set. There's this one thing that I can do. And so the analogy he uses, and I think that the story and illustration he uses is, is uh, you know, someone that's a, a, baker. a baker. And just because yeah. you're a baker doesn't mean you should open a bakery, you know. And so uh, I think that's a great a great point that so many people, they, they are good at a specific skill set, uh, but they may be disaster at running the business. So it's just important that you understand those other components to it. You don't get to just do the art. You don't just get to do the freelancing work that there's this whole another side to the business you, you got to figure out. Right. I mean, they have the, you know, these grand ideas of working out of Starbucks and working their own terms and their own with their own portfolio of clients and everything else. But then they eventually everyone discovers like, holy crap, I don't know how to get clients or I don't know how to write a proposal or close a proposal or, you know, I don't know how to build a sustainable business. So um, basically what I do is I, I bootstrapped a an agency. You know, I, I went from myself to a, a team, a brick and mortar team of 11 employees. And I learned a lot along the way about pricing and positioning and sales and marketing because I had to, right? Like I, if I didn't sell, I mean, we had to bring in a hundred thousand a month just to stay afloat. So if I didn't know how to bring in a hundred grand a month in client work, we would be out of business. So, um, what I'm doing is I'm kind of translating a lot of what I learned building that agency for individuals, you know, granted they don't need the kind of, uh, amount of new work that I needed to bring in. But, you know, it's the same principles. It's just a different scale. So yeah. that's kind of what I'm doing now. Well, let's backtrack a little bit. So you, uh, what kind of uh, freelance stuff were you doing when you first kind of got into the industry? Yeah, so I was mainly doing Ruby coding. So Ruby on Rails type work. It's what I had done professionally as an employee before. And I actually kind of got into, into freelancing because I had to. So I was, you know, my wife and I, we were down in Miami. I was working in a company down there doing Ruby development. And then we got pregnant and she wanted to be closer to her mom who was up here in Virginia. So we had to move. And I did the remote thing for a few months with that company, but it didn't really work out. They wanted me down there all the time because they, they weren't really used to remote employees. Yeah. Especially since I was kind of like the technical director of the company and I... Like I wasn't, you know, I kind of had management responsibilities too. So yeah, it just didn't work out. So I, uh, I kind of forced myself into, uh, into freelancing because I, there were no, there were no companies local to me that were hiring people that knew the kind of software development stuff that I was, that I, that I was good at or needed the kind of software development skills that I was good at. Let's back up a little bit. Were you born and raised in uh, Florida? Yeah. Fort Lauderdale. Okay. Like when you were growing up, what, what did you want to do? You know, I mean, it's funny, like, I've always, ever since I was a little kid, been interested in computers. I, you know, my parents bought me an Apple IIe when I was like, six, or we had a family Apple IIe back when I was six. And, nice. you know, that thing didn't even have persistent storage. I had no idea what I was doing, but I, I loved being able to do, like, basic, like, spit out to the screen something and then ask the user to input something and then do, like, do an if-then depending on what they type in, right? So I was like, oh, this is really, really cool. Like, I can control what it's doing. And then I kind of casually did that growing up. And I think the big, what ended up happening in, in high school was I was asked to develop the new website for the school. So I got into, I discovered PHP and I discovered, you know, MySQL and, you know, I didn't know anything about frameworks or MVC or any of that stuff back then. So I just kind of learned on the, you know, the hard way how to build this web application, I guess. You know, computers were always my hobby, but I didn't want to do it professionally. You know, I went to school for liberal arts. I learned the classics. I studied Greek and Latin, and I figured I'd be a professor or, 
some high school English teacher or something. And then on the side, I would do, um, you know, I would still be into computers because I didn't want to make, I, I figured that if I made it my, my job, I would hate it. So I did that. And, uh, one thing led to another. And then I quit, uh, I quit college cause I started getting kind of heavily in my dorm into the whole, like, you know, programming thing. And I realized I was kind of spinning wheels at college and spending a lot of money on tuition and realizing that, you know, okay, my options are what a $35,000 a year high school teaching job when I'm paying 50,000 a year for school. Right, and it, didn't, right. it didn't make any economic sense. So I, I yeah. quit and I went out on my own and the rest is history. Nice. All right. So you're, you're, you're kind of fiddling around with the, uh, the computer stuff and programming stuff. At what point did it kind of, did, was there any like a specific point where it kind of clicked for you? Like, I just need to make a complete pivot here because this, this direction that I'm going down, this course that I'm headed down on the, on being a professor or being a high school teacher or doing this one thing economically just isn't making sense. Is there like a, a real, how did you come to that realization? I guess. I think the big thing was I was asked to develop a Flash website back when Flash websites were really a thing. Yeah, and I, uh, you know, I made I made four grand from that from my dorm room, and I was like, wow, I've never I've never had this much money ever, and I was like, wow, this is almost addicting in a way. Like I could do another Flash website and <laughs> do that again, right? And yeah, I think that was just the turning point, like realizing and and it's funny. I mean, I was freelancing back. I didn't know what was called that. I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew that, hey, a friend of my friend's like mom ran a business and they needed a new website and they knew I did website stuff <laughs> and could I do it? But I had no idea. Like there was no, I didn't even know how to bill. Like, right. I don't even know how to get paid for this. Like, what do I do? <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, you know, just I had no, I had no idea what to do. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that was kind of the start, I guess, of my uh, my freelancing career. So you drive out of college and then are you, what, what do you do from there? Because, you know, at this point, you're, you're headed down one path, you go a completely different direction. You've got one side under your belt where they give you four grand for it. But, you know, four grand one time is great. But how do you start actually building a business out of that? Oh, I didn't. So I dropped out of college and got a job at a software company. Gotcha. Uh, so I didn't really, I didn't really look at that one. Like I always casually kind of browsed Craigslist while working those jobs, looking for kind of like moonlighting gigs, right? Yeah. And I found a few, but I, I didn't know how to close them. Like I was so bad at that. And I remember like I remember doing all this prep work and all these meetings and all this stuff for like a project that would have been maybe ten ten thousand dollars. And I spent so much time and dug such a deep rabbit hole with that. And it just never panned out. And I was so like, I was crushed doing that because I, I, you know, I, I was like, I don't know how to, like, I could get my friend's mom's business, but I don't know how to get this person. I don't really know's business. And that was hard for me. It was easy enough for me to get a job because I just, you know, all I had to say was I know how to code. They're looking for coders, you know, easy. <sighs> easy right? Yeah. So, yeah. So how long are you doing the, is this the job in, uh, in Florida you end up taking? Yes, that was my first job, real job, and I did that for a bit. And then I had the great idea to do a startup <laughs> and quit that job, started something that a family member kind of put in, I think, 20000 in seed money wow. for, and uh, it was a lead generation thing that we built for mortgage brokers. And it actually worked really, really well. The issue, though, was the subprime fallout debacle kind of happened a few you know, uh, less than a year after that. So the company basically went under due to the economy. And I was out 
job hunting again. And then I found another company, this one uh, in Miami, a little south of Fort Lauderdale, that was looking for programmers. And I worked for them. And I kind of realized, wow, like the jump, the salary jump alone by go, by j- company hopping was much more than like the meager raise that I was being presented at that first software company that I worked for. So I kind of got, got the hint of, wow, like I can kind of manipulate <laughs> how, how this all works a little, right? Yeah. You know, I can I can tweak certain levers. So I did the that was at an agency. So that was really influential too, because now I was working at a company that wasn't I was doing software stuff, but the company was an agency, so they had clients. And I kind of got an I got a little exposure to um the whole like, you know, agency lifestyle, I guess. Was that appealing to you? Like, did you like, did you, did you immediately feel like, oh, this is cool. I want to build my own agency or did you miss kind of just doing your own thing as just an individual or, or what's kind of your, where's your head at, at that point? To be honest, I kind of hated it and I hated it because it was an advertising agency and I didn't think what they were doing was all that wonderful or great, but they knew how to wine and dine clients and become like BFFs with all of their clients and, you know, do the whole like take them out to steak dinners and get drunk with them and everything. And that's how they won contracts. And I was like, this is kind of scammy. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, it's basically these, they're, they're working with big, big companies that have department heads that have budgets they need to spend. So why not spend on the vendor that actually gives them a good, a good time. Right. Sure. And that's what I saw happening. But besides that, I I enjoyed, I, I saw the power, I guess, in having, you know, having these kind of like high profile, high budget clients, but it didn't really click at the, at the time. It didn't, I never was like, I want to do this myself one day, but it it definitely planted a few seeds. So you, you're doing that for a bit. Wife gets pregnant, moved back to Virginia. And so it sounds like out of necessity, you end up just kind of eventually going into freelancing on your own. Once you start doing that, even though it is kind of out of necessity, are you, are you feeling like, all right, this is it just being my, being a one man band, this works for me. It's fits. I'm getting to you know, kid pick and choose clients I want to work with. I'm getting to do it my way. I'm getting to call the shots. Is it immediately resonating? But or how's that? How's that kind of coming together? Because obviously, at some point, you you built out your own agency. Yeah, I mean, I I want to say I got lucky in the sense that I always got the right referral at the right time, and it kind of kept me afloat. And the thing is, I I hate you know turning away opportunities. So I would get referrals, and if I was book solid. I didn't want to say like, sorry, I can't, you know, I'm, I'm booked. I don't want to do that. So I started thinking, well, you know, my brother-in-law, he's a Ruby developer like I am, or I know these people I've met at conferences. Why don't I just go to them and say, Hey, I know you don't want to deal with sales and contracts and management and clients and invoices and stuff. How about I just, how about I, I give you the work and you just do it. You do what you love, which is coding and I'll handle everything else. I already have the clients. And we'll work out like a 60-40 split where I'll keep 40%, you keep 60%. And I basically build up a, a pool of about eight subcontractors on this arrangement. Issue, though, was eventually we kind of backed ourselves into one client who was, you know, fueled by investment capital. And they hired our entire team. I, I was loving it at the time because we were getting like my mailbox my little cul-de-sac. I was getting um, checks every other week for like 50 grand and going to my little podunk local bank in the, in the suburbs with this, this $50,000 check. <laughs> they're like... <laughs> they really do think you're doing drugs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, I was doing that and then eventually I got the call saying, hey, our investors don't want to pony up any more money. We definitely want to keep making more 
forward progress, but we can't afford your entire team. Can we just hire you, Brennan? Wow. So went back to being a freelancer because I couldn't. I mean, the good thing is since they weren't employees, I didn't have any like they were they were contractors. Right. So they worked around the project. If The project's not there anymore. I don't have work for them. That's they knew going into that. That's how it worked. Yeah. So I became a freelancer again and I just wasn't content. And I was like, I want to. I'm going to do it the right way this time. I want to do it, you know, what I thought was right, which is I want to have an actual office. I want to have employees. I want to diversify and have multiple, you know, a lot of clients instead of one massive client. I want to be more of a business instead of just a, um, you know, the equivalent of employees, but without the benefits. Right. So that that's kind of the route I went down. I didn't have I didn't have the need. And what I, you know, I, I had one client that that same client. And I went out and spent a bunch of money getting a one-year lease on a, on a building downtown and you know, outfitting it with some Ikea desks, not having any need for any of that. <laughs> and then I went and I hired somebody who was working at a local TV station but had a very like alpha, you know, in-your-face kind of personality. And I was like, you're my business development person now. <laughs> and he knew nothing about technology, nothing about web stuff at all. And we just kind of... You know, he was my first employee and, you know, I kind of sent him out on networking quests, I guess. And, uh, it, you know, the rest is kind of history from there. So, so you so. build up, you build up that agency to, you said 11 employees? Yeah, 11 employees. So how long does that take? Is what's so that, that timeline like? About two years to get to our peak at 11. And then, um, and then what happened was I started getting influenced by the whole product lifestyle and I was, you know, I was realizing I was building clients or building projects for other people, building stuff for other people. I had all the technical resources myself to do it for myself, but I just never did it. And on top of that, I was starting each month from scratch. Like each month I woke up and had literally, you know, there was no recurring revenue. It was just like I had fixed expenses. I had a hundred plus thousand dollar payroll expense each month, but I was starting each month with, with virtually zero income. Like I had to bring in that income each month. So to me, that was really stressful and really like I was like, do I really want to be doing this long term? Like I was traveling a lot. I was, you know, we had clients all over the world and I had two young kids and I was never home and I'd get home and it'd be like 630 and my daughter had just gone to sleep. So I didn't really get to see her at all that day. And I was just, you know, I realized I didn't really want to keep doing what I was doing. So but then if you backtrack a little bit, it sounds like, you know, initially when you're you're at working at other agencies, you're kind of like, Oh, this is cool. This is what I want. And this is the, so is it one of those things where it's like from the outside looking in like, Oh, that's what I want. That's going to be awesome. And then once you get into it, you're like, crap, this isn't what I signed up for, but I feel like I've backed myself into a corner and I, I feel stuck and I feel trapped. That's exactly it. Although if I could start over again, I would have done things differently in a way that would have been more conducive to the lifestyle lifestyle that I wanted to have. And, Cause I know people who are doing it the way that I wish I could, I would have done it. But the issue was I went into it with no mentoring, no idea what I was doing. And I just kind of stumbled into running a business. And, um, you know, that, that I think was the big, uh, if I was starting fresh, I think I would build it in such a way that it would work to all the ends that I wanted it to work. Yeah. Well, I like the way you put that too, of, of almost beginning with the lifestyle piece in mind first. And what kind of like, if this works, like if this whole thing explodes in a good way, is that really the kind of life that I want to have? Do I want to have, you know, 11 employees and be starting from scratch trying to come up with 100000 a month or payroll expenses? Or is there a different way I could go about this or making sure we arrive at the end goal, creating the kind of lifestyle that when we get there, we're like, 
cool. This is what I want. And this is what I, I was shooting for from the beginning. And that's what I'm doing now is I'm looking like this is the life I want. I want to be able to work from home I'm going to be able to go to, to, you know, hang out with my kids whenever I want to. I want to minimize meetings. I don't want to have a lot of things that end up going on a calendar. Right. And so I built a business, the one I have now around that from day one. And it's, it's nice kind of how that's worked because it's all kind of worked out and, and how, you know, I've, I've used those as constraints as, you know, as I've built this business now. So you, you get your business up, you get your agency up to 11 people or so, you're obviously doing well. How do you begin to pull the plug on that and make a transition? Because obviously you've got 11 people that are dependent on you and you've kind of, again, like you said, kind of painted yourself and boxed yourself into a corner where it's like, we're doing great and now I got to figure out how to get out of it. How do you get out of it? I mean, the writing was on the wall. I started building a, I started building my SaaS plan scope while running the company, everyone knew I was doing that. It's I knew from the beginning that getting a SaaS business to be able to pay for my payroll would have been really, really hard to do. It just would take a lot of time, or a lot of effort, or a lot of luck, or yeah. some, some combination of the, you know all three. So I, um, one of the things I made sure to do is I eventually kind of shuttered parts of the agency. Was I knew we would still get leads because we had a brand. So I kept um, a few people on like my business development person. And I basically said, look, I'm going to convert all of our people who are billable typically to, to, you know, to independent contractors. They're all going to be independent. I'm going to gift them basically our client base. So the client, the projects they're working on now will become their direct clients. And that to them is nice because now they're going to be getting like, you know, 175 an hour instead of the equivalent, you know, they're making a hundred grand. What's that? Sixteen hours or something, right? Right. So they're making more money because um, there's no middleman anymore, and we were still getting leads. So they would kind of be the first uh, preference. Like when a new project would come in, we would turn to our former employees first with work, and, and it was nice because a lot of a lot of my team was becoming pretty entrepreneurial and wanted to build their own products. And actually, a few of them now have bootstrapped products like one of them andrew has bootstrapped a thing called churnbuster which is a stripe thing that helps with like dunning emails and everything and um he's doing really well and he's happy he's traveling a lot he's initially from canada so him and his family you know are just traveling all over the country all the time and it's exactly what it, they it, he would not have been able to do that had he remained an employee of mine and i don't think he would have remained an employee of mine too long with the constraints that being an employee put on him. So it sounds like the whole transition worked out really well because initially when you said, you know, you've got 11 employees and you've got significant payroll you got to meet and now you've got to transition out of it to be, go back to essentially being a one-man band in some ways. I'm thinking there's no way this is going to end well, but uh, I mean it sounds like it turned out to kind of be a win-win for everybody. That's right. Yeah. I mean that's that's exactly it. Everyone sort of you know, they all got projects. No no one was left kind of in the cold with no work. So Nice. So at that point, as everyone kind of phases out and it kind of dwindles down to you or so, are you thinking, okay, I don't want to do any more freelancing. I don't want to keep trading time for dollars. I need to figure out how to do it differently. Is immediately the idea resonating with you that let's just help other people run their business. There's these freelancers that have these skill sets, but they don't know the business side of it. So I'll just teach that. How, how did that piece kind of come into play? No, I didn't look at myself as a teacher or anything like that at all. What I did is I looked at myself as an engineer first. And I was building PlanScope, which is my uh, software as a service business. And it was doing okay, but it wasn't really paying my bills. And it wasn't, it was harder than I thought to grow, uh, that, that it would take to, you know, I was just, I didn't really know how to grow it. 
that well. So one of the interesting things was I started realizing that a lot of the people I was talking to were customers of PlanScope were saying, hey, you know, I, I saw you ran an agency. Um, can you help me out? I've, I've got this client I'm trying to figure out how to, how to respond to this with or I've got these questions about how to price myself and you know, I don't really know what to charge. I got a lot of these questions and I started talking with each of these either over Skype or email. And it kind of eventually got to the point where, where I kind of thought, well, why not just, um, I was actually, my friend Amy Hoy kind of like bet me like, hey, why don't you just write a, write a book about these conversations you're having? Like the, the stuff you're saying in these emails, just put it in a book and make it more of a turnkey thing. And I did that. And it was my first uh, kind of information product, I guess, called uh, Double Your Freelancing Rate, which nowadays is my most successful product. And it sold 6,000 plus copies um, in the last two years. And it was really it was it was cool because the responses I would get to that were things like, wow, I actually I applied what you said. I did it. I went from this rate to this rate, and now I've been able to go on my honeymoon with my fiance and buy a nice engagement ring and stuff. Like I was not getting emails like that from PlanScope or from my consulting business, right? right, like, right. It, was, it was more. It, it was nice because you know I was getting these really great this, this feedback from people saying like, "Wow, I never thought of it like that." And a lot of us don't really think about that. You know, I was there's the the issue with the experts dilemma, right? Like it's hard to think of yourself as an expert because yep. we all know that we're not. And what the big eye opener for me was when I realized all expertise is is a relational thing. It's not like an absolute statement. You know, I'm an expert on consulting to somebody who is me circa five years ago, right? Yep. And if I can influence people like that. Yeah, I'm an expert to them, but that doesn't mean like I'm an absolute expert on consulting or freelancing, and that's fine with me. I just need to be, you know, I, I've I've done things, I have experience having worked with a lot of clients and having built this company and this agency that a lot of people don't have. So I've that's the kind of the the teaching side of my business is helping people avoid a lot of these mistakes that I ended up making because I had no information on how to do things otherwise. Yeah, I like the way you frame that too in terms of being an expert. So many people feel like I, uh, I'm not an expert. I'm not an expert. Whatever that skill set is, it's like yeah, but relationally, you're just a few steps ahead or a few years ahead of someone else, and they look at you as an expert. Now, to you, again, it may not be this absolute end all be all of you are this this the person that knows everything on this subject. But to that person who's just looking a few steps down the road, they're going, yes, I need to know what you're doing and how you got to that point. So to them, relationally, yeah, exactly right. It makes makes you the expert. Yep, that's it. So yeah, and, and the amazing part about all of that is it's helped me grow my SaaS business, my software business, which I didn't really think would happen because people find me through the book and they kind of, you know, they, they spend money on my book and get a, a huge ROI from that. And kind of in their minds, it's it's clicked that like, hey, if I pay Brennan money, I get more value in, respond, in, in return. What if I do that with his software product? So it's been a huge growth engine for PlanScope, which has kind of been unexpected, but I'm not going to complain. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Do you still do any type of client work at all or is it everything just on your own now? I do. Yeah. So I do a little, you know, I've got, I've made my business in such a way that I really only need to work about maybe 10 to 15 hours a week to make it do what it needs to do. Yeah. And so I have this free time and I kind of, you know, I'm, yes, I, I, I like to say I love being at home and hanging out with the family and stuff and playing with the kids all the time. But 
you know, there's that part of me that's still like I could not successfully retire. So right. I, uh, I've done some a lot of people who have seen what I've done with how I've done the, the, the marketing of my own products or the marketing automation that glues a lot of my products together. These are software companies who aren't kind of in my consulting audience that I've built up, but they're kind of like on the extremities of that. And they're they're seeing what I'm doing and how I'm doing it all. And um, they're coming to me and saying, you know, can we, you know, can we hire you? So I'm actually doing a few um, engagements. These are usually one week engagements. They're totally different from what I did before. I'm not writing software from scratch. I'm going in and just literally consulting in, in the proper, you know, in the in the in the way that consulting you know, is defined, I guess, right? right? right. I'm going and, and I'm saying like, let's look at how you're, how you're doing your onboarding now for your product and how your, how your lifecycle emails work and everything. And let me look at this and give you practical advice that you can then pass on your engineering team and they can implement. So I'm doing a lot of that now and I, I love it because I'm getting a lot of, the thing I love about consulting is you get to play with all these different domains and jump from like this industry to this industry. And I'm able to do that now again, instead of just doing, um, my own stuff in my own little bubble. Yeah, but it sounds like the nice thing for you in this spot is you're at a point in your business where you're able to do this because you want to, yep. not because you have to. It's optional consulting. I don't need to do it at all, but I like it. Yeah. And nothing is, is making me do it. And that's a great spot to be in where it's like, I want to do this. These are, I can really cherry pick my clients and this sounds appealing and interesting, not because I need a paycheck and not because I need to, uh, to meet a payroll or something this month, but because it's just, oh, that sounds fun. That's like, yeah, I'll do that. You're going to pay me too? Great. That's icing on the cake because it's something that would be appealing anyway. And you get, yeah, like you said, you get to be, you get to cherry pick. You get to be selective about who you want to work with. You don't need to negotiate yourself down to something that really is unappealing because you need to pay your mortgage or something. Right. Yeah. It's, it's overall. And it's nice because I've been able to, a lot of the consulting now I'm doing is the sort of stuff where they hire me for a week and then like, you know, I did one where they hire me for a week and then permanently since then their monthly sales are up by 30%. So that's kind of like a nice case study thing that I can then use even in my own, you know, not even for my own consulting business, but for my, um, for my, information product business i can use what i'm doing as um you know and extrapolate key takeaways from that that i can then use and and write to my newsletter about or or whatever else let's wrap up with this so i know there's a lot of people that may be listening to this that would be in a similar spot as you you know circa five years ago where i've got a specific skill set whether that be coding whether that be website design whether it be graphic design or videography or whatever i've got this one specific skill set and i'm just trading time for dollars and i'm just doing this client work which to them may be fine maybe okay but since you're someone that really helps people really think through their freelancing business, what are some of the, like, the one or two biggest mistakes that you see freelancers make that maybe you can help some other people avoid? So the biggest mistake is the idea that anyone is hiring you because you know how to write code or design or whatever else. Like the, No one has ever said, you know what, I want to pay Brennan five figures a week because he knows how to write Ruby code. Like No one has ever thought that. What they, what they think and what I've learned to, um, to tailor the way I propose work you know, or tailor my sales and marketing strategy around is that there's an underlying problem that needs to be solved. And this problem is costing the business money. So case in point, like, let's say, let's say you typically do WordPress sites and you, you redesign sites for people. You might think that you're being hired to make new websites, but you're really not. You're hired because the, the company behind the website is saying, I don't have enough customers or 
my conversion rates online really suck. Like, you know, we're getting a good amount of traffic, but no one's buying anything online on our online store or something. What they really want is more customers. They want more revenue. They want more profit. They want whatever, whatever kind of KPIs matter to them. And most of us are so focused on our, like the deliverables, right? Like the medium, like the code, the design, is the logo big enough? Do we put the mat, you know, is it like all this stuff, right? And when you can realize and, and step back and say, this isn't really why I'm hired. Why I'm hired is because this is an outstanding problem that is, is directly affecting this client's business. If I can speak to that problem and try to bridge that problem to a solution, then I'm going to be one-upping all of my competitors because they're all focusing on the website. They're focusing on how many pages do we do? Is it green or pink or blue? You know, they're focusing on all that, all that stuff, but I'm focusing on, all right, let's talk about why you want to build this website. And let's talk about what problems are prompting you to build this website. And let's talk about what you want tomorrow after you have this new website to look like for your business. And that ends up allowing me or allowing you know people who work like me to build a better project for the client who is then more successful, which then successful clients refer work to you and they hire you again in the future. So. It's really, uh, it worked out well here, a little circle of life from the beginning of the interview where uh, we talked about Michael Gerber's book, E-Myth, and the difference between working in your business and working on your business. And so many freelancers are hired to basically work in the business. Like you said, our, when we're de- designing the, the website, does the button go over here? Does it go over there? How many pages? Is it green or blue or pink? And just all these little variables of working in the business where I like the way that you're approaching it from a, you know, a, a totally different approach of just saying, no, 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 let's step back from 30,000 feet and just look at the bigger picture and figure out how is this going to ultimately help this end goal of what you're trying to accomplish beyond just you have a pretty website with some bells and whistles. Yeah, I mean, and, and it, you know, most people complain about, well, my client's not giving me enough freedom or creative flexibility or, you know, they're just telling me what to do and I'm doing, how do I get that freedom? How do I get put that free into freelancer, right? And the, the thing is, all you need to do is become an ally of the client and and let them know that you get you get it you get why you're being hired you get why they're here you get why they've contacted you and you're working to that end and if all you're doing is is focusing on the technicals they're going to treat you like a vendor and they're going to treat you as like this is what I need this is the spec I need done do it for me and that's not the kind of work I wanted to do and that's not the kind of work I know a lot of people do not want to do yeah. Good stuff, man. Hey, for people that want to find out more about you or just keep in touch with you, uh, I know you got a killer newsletter that I personally subscribe to. So uh, where can we find out more info about you? Yeah, so the best place is probably uh, freelancers with an S, weekly.com. Uh, that is my, that's my newsletter opt-in page. Um, and actually, if you subscribe, I send out a link uh, to every little thing that I'm doing. So if you're interested in, you know, I've, I've got two different courses, on one on pricing, one on lead generation, plan scope obviously and, and a bunch of other stuff including my email address so but if you'd like to email me directly that's also uh brennan at planscope.io is my email beautiful freelancersweekly.com people go there stop what you're doing go sign <laughs> up get those uh those digital tidbits of goodness so make sure that you, you check that out brennan thanks for the time man. enjoy the chat and uh, we'll talk to you soon yeah no worries brent thanks Boom. There you have it. Uh, episode 30 with Brennan Dunn. Hope you enjoyed that. As always, make sure you stop by the website, grandwaldon.com slash Brennan Dunn and check that out. B R 
B-R-E-N-N-A-N-D-U-N-N. There's like 19 N's in his name there. Brennan, I'd tell you to do something about it, but at this point, you're, 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 you're kind of in too deep to change it. So uh, again, grahambolden.com slash Brennan Dunn. You can check that out. Check out the blog for a bunch of different new posts we've got going. And uh, if you haven't already, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. You can do that through iTunes or Stitcher. If you haven't had a chance already, make sure you leave us some uh, feedback, rating, review. We'd love to hear from you. You can go to grahambolden.com slash iTunes or grahambolden.com slash Stitcher. We love, love, love hearing from you. Really, really appreciate just the time that you take. It literally takes you less than a minute or so just to uh, leave us some, some feedback. Uh, this one was uh, real good recently from uh, MPG1982 on iTunes. said, Grant's podcast is one of my all-time favorites to listen to. Each person he interviews has such compelling real-life stories that draw you in. Each time I hear someone describe what their life was like before they made the jump to doing their own thing and truly doing uh, what they love, it so inspires me. His podcast is very unique, executed brilliant, brilliantly. I highly recommend it. Be warned. It's addicting. I guess if you're going to be addicted to something, you know, we appreciate you being addicted to the podcast. So that means a lot. Thanks for that. MPG 1982. Beautiful uh, username there as well. Hey, I know I, I mentioned it to you before. I mentioned it to you a lot, but anytime I can support you, uh, feel free to email me grant at grantbaldwin.com. You can hit me up on Twitter at grantbaldwin if you'd like. If there's anything I can do to support you on your journey to find and do work you love, I certainly want to uh, be able to help you do that. Hey, one final mention here for uh, just a quick shout out for our sponsor for today's show, 99 designs. Make sure if you haven't already, swing by, check out their site, get a design that you love. Because right? listen, you get access to over 315,000 graphic designers. That's a lot of graphic designers, all given their own spin take, help you find exactly what it is that you are looking for. So you can go to 99designs.com slash grant. Again, that's 99designs.com slash grant to get a $99 power pack of services for free today. Alright, that wraps up the episode 30. Thanks for hanging out with us today, boys and girls. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you uh, learned a few things. Hopefully you were inspired and encouraged to continue on your journey, your quest to find and do work you love. We'll talk to you again real soon. Peace out. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.